This episode is brought to you by Hulu, presenting Legacy, the true story of the L.A. Lakers. From the backboard to the front office, Legacy captures the remarkable rise and unprecedented success of one of the most iconic franchises in professional sports. Featuring new revealing interviews from players, coaches, and execs, this 10-part documentary series chronicles this extraordinary story from the inside. Watch Legacy, the true story of the L.A. Lakers now, only on Hulu. What up, what up, what up, though? Ball Hawk Show. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Brick layers and ball shorts. Coaching from the side of the ball court. If you know, you know. One stop like a Walmart. We got the tennis balls for the wrong sport. If you know, you know. If you know about the carport, the trap door supposed to be awkward. If you know, you know. That's the reason we ball for. Circle round twice for the encore. If you know, you know. Yeah, man. What y'all think about the episode? So these two episodes that showed uh, the death of Jordan's pops. It showed him quitting or retiring and um going to play baseball and i didn't even know because back then social media was around and you know when mike stepped away from the game that's how i was you know going to high school i didn't even realize that if it wasn't for baseball having that strike michael jordan probably wouldn't have came back to play basketball i wonder if anybody thought about that like Andy had the opportunity of crossing the picking line and going to be a major league baseball player because of that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Glenn talked about Scottie Pippen. I didn't know that took place when Kukos hit that game-winning shot. Uh, so, yeah, man. So, let's start with start with Mike and his pops, all right? So, Michael Jordan's pops got killed, and um, everybody's attributing his death to some gambling debts back in the day they try to say mike basically um mj control every aspect of this and edit out real feedback ken please elaborate on that bro um you throw a lot of stuff out there and you really don't elaborate so talk about you know what you mean by edited out real feedback um, when Mike Pops died, I, I do think the media was wrong of trying to imply that his gambling is the reason why his Pops was murdered. And even if you had that inclination, um, it's a way you go about discussing it. Um, and, you know, I think sometimes the media forget that these dudes are 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 still human, right? Because you, you get caught up in their stature. You get caught up in that they make a lot of money. They're on TV. And um, when it, when his dad died, what how, how it affected him. Because he was already mentally drained from basketball. And, and from what I gathered from the documentary, it seemed like Mike didn't see any cha- true challenges when it came to basketball. Like, the game was getting too easy. He was dominating with ease. His team was winning. They just won three straight championships. And I felt like with the death of his father, it kind of gave, it, it kind of like 
cemented that, yo, I need to step away from playing basketball. I feel like when his dad died, that was like all he needed to say, you know what, I'm really done, right? And then when his dad died, his dad introduced him to baseball, and that's what caused him to uh, go back and play baseball. Now, granted, Mike hadn't played baseball since he was 17. He was in his early 30s. That's crazy. You know what I'm saying? So, of course, Mike is going to struggle. Of course, he's going to look like trash can juice. Um, but I think y'all realize how fast Michael Jordan was. That He was still stealing a bunch of damn bases, even though he won't get on that much because he's hitting like two, 200. But he still th- stole like 30 bases. Um, he had to retransform his body from basketball to baseball shape, learning his different hand-eye coordination. Like, baseball is tough. Like, baseball and golf are, like, two of the toughest sports, and tennis. Three of the toughest sports, like, you will ever try to play. Like, don't get me wrong, basketball is tough in its own right. Football is tough in its own right with the physicality. Uh, But baseball and golf and also tennis, that's different. And I ain't never played cricket, so I don't know how hard cricket is. Uh, soccer can be difficult, but these other sports, physically, you could get away with a lot of things. You know what I'm saying? So Ken Rogers said, him being the executive producer took away from us getting authentic feedback. Example, they have Horace Grant on the documentary, but now, but not how. So, all right. So, Ken, to answer your, to to answer what you just stated and and with this last dance, you feel like Mike is trying to uh, take away from any true feedback. I encourage you to go and I got the book over there. I encourage you to purchase the Jordan rules book. Matter of fact, we'll go get it. I'm going to go get it for you. I'm going to go get it for you. If you want some true feedback about Michael Jeffrey Jordan, just purchase this book, Jordan rules. That's it. Just purchase the book. And Sam Smith is in the documentary. So if you feel like you don't know the truth about Jordan, just purchase this book. If you want some true feedback from Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and then everybody, purchase this book. That's it. I'm telling it. Because everything that's in the documentary was in this book, basically, except for, you know, the last three championships. But a lot of the information that they use about Mike is in this book. So go to this book if you feel like Mike is controlling the narrative. I do want to say this. You see how psycho Michael Jordan is, right? So a lot of the debate now, because in this documentary you see that, uh, you know, how he pushed guys to the brink. They win a championship. You see Mike leave. And then you see Scottie Pippen stepping to the forefront as essentially the best player in the league or top two player in the league. Any way you want to cut it, right? I did not know that Scottie Pippen pulled a temper tantrum. I did not know Scottie Pippen didn't go into a damn important game because the play was drawn up for Tony Kukos. That blew my mind, yo. I did not know that. I, I'm sorry, I didn't know that. That makes you look at Scottie. Uh, this, look. This makes you go back to earlier, my earlier recap. We talked about Scottie Pippen and I, they ain't going to ruin my damn summer. And Michael Jordan calling them selfish. And people coming at Mike talk about, no, he should understand this money, this money, that. 
This makes you look at Scotty and be like, you know what? I'm mad that I caped for him and was defending him. You know what I'm saying? Like Scotty showed you that he'll be like F the team. You know what I'm saying? Like, so when it came, when I go back and I realize that the surgery joint took place after he pulled that mess on the bench. No, Powell, I did not know Scotty. I didn't pay attention to Scotty Pippen. So, no, I didn't know that. Sorry. I didn't pay attention to the backup dancers. I only pay attention to the lead singles. You know what I'm saying? I mean, can anybody tell me what Michelle is doing right now for Destiny's Child? I don't think you can. Everybody knows she in the church, but can anybody tell me what she really doing? But knowing, so for the folks who know, for the folks who, who knew about this story, I hope you want some of the same folks saying that Scotty was right for holding out and not getting the surgery. Because you just condone bitch assness knowing that Scotty pulled this bitch assness on the sidelines and didn't go in the game. So if anybody that's on this live feed or anybody that ever commented on when I said Mike was right of calling Scotty Pippen selfish, then Mike was right. Scotty was Scotty's selfish, dog. He's selfish. And look, just because you inbound the ball don't mean the ball can't come back to you. You still will get praised. Like, let's be, let's look, let me let me tell you something. Let me tell you something, Scotty. Let me tell you something. You the man, and yes, you have every right to be pissed, but you don't do that, bro. You don't sit on the sideline. You don't sit on the sideline in, in a situation like that. Now you now you really going to get this work, dog. Not only did you do that, what was that, 94? But then four years later, you do that to Mike and him because you won't, more money from my owner who won't gonna pay you. This is what people miss. And I'm I'm not trying to revisit an old episode. If you want to really hear my real thoughts, go back to what was the episode one and two? My recap. But when Scotty was holding out and folks was like, Mike making 30 million, Scotty only making this. Why the hell would you hold out for a damn person who don't want you? You know what I'm saying? How like why? That's why I, I, that's why he was right. You know what I'm saying? And Tony drained that hoe. And and it, and look, they didn't even know how to they didn't even know how to celebrate, fam. That's what's so janky about this joint. They didn't even know they couldn't even celebrate. You got Bill Cartwright crying and stuff. Crying. You over there busting damn temper tantrums, bro. Temper tantrums. That right there, hey, yo, I'm looking at Scotty in a totally different light, bro. But anyway, not to get sidetracked. So a lot of folks like to talk about when Jordan retired and how the Bulls still got to the Eastern Conference semifinals and within game seven of the Knicks and how they won over 50 games and why this is showing you that, you know, when LeBron leaves his teams, blah, blah, blah. Here's what you, you saw the truth the following season, right? So the one year when Jordan was out, the Bulls did well. The reason why the Bulls did well, they added a guy like Tony. They kept everybody else, right? So, when Horace left, you saw the true Mike ain't here no more. When Horace Grant left, you saw the the the, the SHIT didn't hit the fan. Because they were like a 500 team when Mike 
sent the little text to BJ. It was like, let's go have dinner. And then BJ was like, I'll bust your ass one-on-one. Come play some one-on-one. It was during the strike. Mike had downtime. Mike went to the private facility. He, he took the bait. Because you know how it is. When you're addicted to something and you, you feel like you don't got away with it, it's like, hey, hey, you keep getting that chip, better keep going to the meetings. What happened? Well, baseball, it had a hiatus. He didn't cross the picking lines. BJ talked big money to him. Horace Grant left. He started practicing, started playing one-on-one. Before you know it, Mike, like, I might as well go back because I've never had idle time. It's the devil's playground. Mike had never had idle time. Even though he retired from basketball, he went right to baseball. When baseball had a strike, he, he realized how much he missed basketball. And they were a 500 team. So anytime people always say, well, the Bulls did well without Mike, they never talk about the following year when they lost Horace. When you have a true system in place, which Phil Jackson and Tex Winters did with the triangle offense, when you lose Mike, you can't sustain some greatness. You're not going to sustain the ultimate goal. But when you have a system in place, the system is built to sustain losses. But when two big chips left, when Horace Grant left and went to Orlando, we saw the truth. Even with Tony Kukos there, we saw the truth. 500 team. You know what I'm saying? So now Mike returns. What he played like 17 games. I don't know how many games he played. They get to the playoffs. Mike went 45. He scored 50, 55 in, in the garden. You know, the first game might look like trash can juice by his standards. Um, by the time they got to the playoffs, Mike Body wasn't in basketball. So he was just getting away with the aura of Michael Jordan. And, um, and once they got to Orlando, they got hyenas. They had young hyenas who was like, you're going to get this work, Mike. Like Nick Anderson, even though when he stole the ball from Mike, he stepped out of bounds, but he still ripped Mike ass. Um, Anthony Hardaway was a dog. We know about Shaq. They had D. Scott. Orlando was a team that didn't fear Mike because horses over there. So Michael Jordan is like Mike Tyson. And, and, and in, the, in, in a sense that they defeat you before they even play you with their aura. You know what I'm saying? Mike Tyson beat a lot of folks because they were scared as hell before they even came in the ring. Not saying Mike ain't have skills, Mike Tyson, but I'm correlating them as mentally you're done. Mike, Charles Barkley is the MVP of the league, and he's conceding that he lost to Mike or conceding that somebody's, that's the one guy that's on the court that's better than me. This is why they're playing. He reflecting back and saying that. Because Isaiah Lil IT was tweeting during the episodes and he kind of blew my mind with like, do you realize how mentally defeated these dudes were before they played Mike? Like when Mike says something to you, they kind of coward. They ain't say nothing back. And Mike would take advantage of you if you ain't say nothing back. Teammate, opponent, coach, George Carl, you don't want to speak to me? I'm going to bust your team ass. And Mike didn't really have a good series, that supersonic series. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me tell y'all something, man. Do you think it was actually a suspension that some people think when he went to baseball? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Ain't nowhere in the world I'm suspending Michael Jeffrey Jordan over some, some gambling allegations back then when we just went to the dream, had the dream team, and the revenue was spiking up. Ain't no way. And it won three straight? Ain't no way. There is no way. For what? It's the like to me. That's like the dumbest thing ever. We retire or we gonna suspend you. 
Somebody who just won three straight championships? Come on, man. That's why when people say the gambling and Mike retirement is more than coincidence, I just be like, nah. Because his ass was still gambling when he came back. His ass was still out there drinking and smoking cigars. So, so Mike comes back and um, Nick Anderson says his comments, you know, that's 45. 23, that wouldn't have happened. But since it's 45, it happened. And um, Mike couldn't really, re I mean, Mike tried to respond, but his body won't in shape. He do space jams. They work out Tim Grover. They bring all these NBA players. If you notice, Dennis Rodman was running them open runs with Michael Jordan also. You know, you had Reggie Miller there and a, and a cast of other guys. But it's amazing, man, because I didn't even realize that Space Jams came out the same year in which Orlando, you know, eliminated them from the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I'm, I appreciate this documentary because back at, at my age back then and with no social media around, I didn't know the true timeline of, you know, the work he put in to get back in basketball shape to get his body right. The dedication he put in, man. So um, the fact that he was drinking Miller Lite after games in the locker room told me enough. Yeah, so Mike drinking goddamn beers. He throwing nickels up against the wall before the game. Mike smoking cigar. Like, yo. When they lost to Orlando in the playoffs, and he was had the cigar, and he had the bat, and he was just like, man, I don't care. I ain't worried about that. Like, Mike was a, it's a competitive psycho. He's a competitive psycho. The story that he made up about the young boy from um, the Bullets. Let me make sure I get his name right. When when uh, when the young, uh, LeBrafford Smith, the LeBrafford Smith story, when he scored 37 in the game, and Mike... Couldn't hit nothing. And Mike made up a story in his head. Like the boy said, good game, Mike, in some old condescending, nice game, Mike, in some old condescending way. And they had to play him the exact next day. And Mike said, I'm going to drop 37 in the first half. And the fact that he did that, Jank, he's a competitive psycho. Any and everything he uses for few. The same thing that make you laugh, make you cry, right? So that's why when he was doing the interview and he was talking about how he treated his teammates, how he could belittle them and how he was trying to make them mentally tough and how he was trying to make them meet his standards. Basically, I'm not going to ask you to do nothing I wouldn't do. And if you didn't like it, it is what it is. Just leave or so be it. If it's wrong, so be it. And he got emotional. The dude showed you how truly competitive he is in everything. That's why I believe Charles Barkley and Michael Jordan aren't cool today. It's because Charles is being Charles and tried to play Mike about his GM skills and how he got all these yes mans kissing his ass. And the fact that Mike is not successful as an owner slash GM and the fact that his boy went out on Front Street and said what he said about Mike. And people don't understand how Mike ain't cool with Charles and they boys. Let me tell you something. If I'm your boy, I'm not going to blast you like that. And we got to stop doing this Charles being Charles narrative 
Cause that's a, that's a, that's the Trump angle. We don't allow Trump to be Trump. We get pissed when people say, oh, that's Trump being Trump. We got to stop saying that's Charles being Charles. Charles can't be out here just knowing he could talk to Mike saying, oh, you got these ass kisses around you. Like, dog, you my homie. Just say, hey, man, you know, I just feel like at, at, at his job, he's not as successful as he was as a player. Maybe he needs to reevaluate the, the, the staff around him so they can evaluate talent better. It's the way you deliver it. But just to say, hey, yo, you got these ass kisses around you. Well, he like, well, sh you around me? So let me get rid of you. You know what I'm saying? So I don't, like, that's why I understand why he, why he got a riff with Charles Barkley. Because you ain't going to just blast Mike on Front Street and his failures. He going to get rid of your ass. He going to try to destroy you. And now I understand why him and Charles aren't cool. Now, I know Phil did the same thing, but Phil is the Zen master and Phil said things in a different way. You know what I'm saying? So for all the folks thinking that Mike is petty for not being around Charles, I ain't got to look. I don't think I would have went as far as Mike. And and yeah, he probably went too far. But if we're going to say that's Charles being Charles, then I'm going to say that's Mike being Mike. If you ain't mad at Charles for the way he said what he said about Mike, I ain't mad about how Mike cut his ass off. You know what I'm saying? I ain't mad at all. But I'm I don't give Charles Barkley that Charles being Charles mess. Cause me, that's a cop out. If 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 you know he an asshole and he just said some things that's being an asshole, then we gotta call him out. We just can't say, oh, they're just Charles being Charles. <laughs> he keep it real though. You know what I'm saying? So that 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 was the gist of how Mike was just a psycho. Now I do want to say this, Michael Jordan fans and lovers and 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 the glove really did put the clamps on Mike. Now he might have had a lot of things on his mind. And that series overall was like that's like the weakest final series in Mike's history, in my opinion. That Supersonics series series was the worst out of all the series. Shooting, scoring, everything was bad. Like, yeah, that was bad. That was bad. He could say what he want, that the glove didn't do nothing to him. He had something on his mind, and he might have. But when the data shows that Gary Payton was doing something as the primary defender versus you, Mike. It's just the truth, dog. Like, the closeout game, Father's Day, which is outstanding, you, you – I didn't understand why he was crying so much when he won that championship either until this this documentary came out. I just realized that was on Father's Day. That closeout game, Mike shot like 20% from the field. Most of his points came on the free throw line. He scored, I think, 22 points. You know what I'm saying? And uh, he won MVP averaging less than third. I think he averaged like 27 or 29 points a game, something like that. But that was the worst... To me, that's Mike's worst final series, man. I don't know what, you know. We know Portland, he lit their ass up. We know the Lakers, he lit them up. He averaged a double-double, 30 and 11. We know the Phoenix series, he lit their ass up. We know the Utah series, he did his thing. To me, that was the worst series. You know what I'm saying? So, GP has two legs to stand on when he says, I made it rough on Mike because the data does show that. Like, if I'm GP, 
I'm saying the same thing. And if I'm like, uh, I'm like, whatever. You ain't do too much. We still won. <laughs> so GP salute to you, man. Salute to you. You, 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 you made a tough one. You made a tough one. So you got a lot of LeBron fans bringing up the Supersonics um, finals. And if you're a LeBron fan, let me tell y'all something. Pick and choose your battles wisely because LeBron had a Maverick series. You can't say nothing about the finals when it comes to Mike and his performance when LeBron performed the way he did versus the Mavs. I don't care. You can you can't you can't pull up the triple double because they still lost. Like that that's that's where you kind of stay away from. Like stop pointing out the the shortcomings of Michael Jordan on the biggest stage. Like that's something you leave alone. And I know a lot of folks are saying, you know talking about the final appearances that LeBron has versus Mike. And I tell folks, you don't see people out here bragging about the logos and all the finals he went to. He went to nine of them janks and lost eight. You don't see nobody out here talking about Jerry West and all the finals he went to. So we got to stop with this narrative of, well, at least LeBron got there. No, no, we're not doing that. Oh, at least you got to the Olympic finals. You ain't got no damn medal. We're not doing that. Stop. Stop, man. Because I know people playing devil's advocate, but we got to stop because they'll start attaching your troll statements to your true beliefs. It'll start to seep in your head. You know what I'm saying? He said, Braun was on the same is the third finals appearance against the Spurs. I think, I mean... To be honest, man, I think the only bad finals LeBron had was that Mavs finals. Even when he was catching cramps, that Spurs finals, he was still averaging around like, what, 25 to 27, which was his normal average. Um, Then when he went back to Cleveland, like since he went back to Cleveland, he'd been on another level, like going over 30. Like the Cleveland LeBron James is, I always say, the second, the return to Cleveland LeBron James and the L.A. LeBron James is a LeBron James that you should compare to Mike. Like physically and, and everything he can do as far as skill-wise, that's a LeBron that should be compared to Mike. The LeBron in Miami and LeBron in Cleveland before is the one that I'm like, he had a lot of chinks in his arm, like a lot of weaknesses. This LeBron is dope. Yeah, that's the one that you ride with. But let's get back to Mike. Um, when B.J. Armstrong hit that game winner or that 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 dagger for Charlotte to win that first, that one playoff game, <laughs> hey yo man, that's when you know the excitement takes a hold of you, and you getting ahead of yourself because. He knew better. Like BJ knew better. Don't be celebrating around Mike unless you want to get that work. And Mike gave him that work. The very next game, like the rest of that series, Dale Curry was on that squad. Glenn Glenn Rice was on that squad. They had a nice squad. Charlotte, you had a, Anthony Mason was on that squad. They had a nice squad, man. But um, 
Yeah, man, I, I, I've been enjoying these series, man. I ain't want want this uh, live to be too long. I've been enjoying this series a lot. Um, seeing Mike trying to play baseball after not after not playing for 17 years, and then folks saying this is why he's not a, a great athlete. Those are the folks who never really try to play baseball at a high level, who who don't understand how much of an athlete you are that you can step in. And he's playing. He jumped right into double A. He didn't start rookie. He didn't start in single A. He went right to double A. So if you haven't played baseball for over 15 years, and now you're playing against elite prospects, and we clowning him saying that's why he isn't a great athlete, Come on, man. We can't look. Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders, they stay connected to baseball throughout college. And then they did both professionally. Right. I want you to just try. You know, I don't know. Whatever you played in high school that you ain't played in 15 years, but you still been running around playing a different sport. Just try to migrate back to that old sport. At the highest level, though. And tell me how you do. They had to put him there, though. Probably why he liked golf. And look, golf is tough, too. I ain't gonna lie. Golf is tough, too, yo. Golf is a tough sport. And, um... You can't take away from, from Mike's athleticism just because he struggled in baseball. You know what I'm saying? Like we love, we love, we like, we love to like look for ways to like downplay somebody or elevate somebody. This series just takes me back to when I was middle school, high school, and first two years of college, of living through the Michael Jordan dominance era, and not being privy to a lot of behind the scenes and a lot of articles because. Internet wasn't popping like it is today. Social media wasn't popping like it is today. So it has me reliving a lot of things. Like I said, I read I read this book, The Jordan Rules. I'm reading it again, actually, for the second time. And um, it just has you putting a timeline on everything. You know what I'm saying? Have you better appreciate the little nuances of what the like what Phil did with Tex Winter and how Doug Collins kind of took away from what Dean Smith uh, set forth inside of Michael Jordan as far as being a team player and Doug was like no go be the damn assassin and then it went from being an assassin to Phil coming in saying hey pull the reins back a little bit and trust the guys around you and once they recalibrated Mike that allowed the triangle system to work and with that system um, you saw guys like John Paxson Steve Kerr, Craig Hodges, BJ Armstrong, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright all those supplemental guys be appreciated that much more. You see how it elevated Scottie Pippen for his skill set and how he became a first of his kind. Even though Magic Johnson was a tall point guard, Scottie was that athletic tall point forward that the game hadn't truly really seen that could do everything because Magic wasn't known as a shooter. He could take it to the block. But Scottie could do everything. And within that triangle offensive set, he ascended to one of the best players. So that's what I like about the last dance. This is not just about Mike. But you will be a fool to not center it around Mike because he is the vocal point of the entire team. That's what championship documentaries do. The star is going to be the vocal point. And we got to also appreciate that Mike is doing interviews. Mike is very introverted. He doesn't talk that much. So the fact that Mike is 
commenting about certain things and being reflective and transparent. The fact that he's like, Clyde Drexler? Nah. The glove? Dog, Mike ain't had to say nothing. When he looked at what Gary Payne was saying about him and he laughed and gave the iPad back and said the glove, you knew what he was saying. Like, I'll bust your ass right now if you really think you're holding me down. That is why Mike reached the pinnacle. His mind would never allow him to be second fiddle. His mind would never allow him to think somebody shut him down. Y'all remember Gerald Wilkins, the damn Jordan stopper? Jordan lit his ass up. Anytime somebody said Michael couldn't do something, if you shortchanged Mike, he was going to kill you. Kill you. And that's why people look at LeBron in a different light. Because Mike spoiled us. Mike Tyson spoiled every boxer that came out to him where we wanted them to be a killer. If you being buddy-buddy and smiling and not trying to take somebody's face off, we don't like you. We don't like you, Holyfield. You too, holier than thou. And your house, house not as big as Mike. We don't like you, Lennox, because you talk with an accent and you ain't trying to fight everybody. We like Riddick Bo, though, because Riddick Bo trying to fight people. That's how it was, right? So when you saw Michael Jordan, it was kill, 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 kill. You saw Kobe, kill, 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 kill. You saw AI, kill, 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 kill. You saw Melo, kill, 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 kill. You get LeBron who like magic. The world don't want magic no more. They won't kill us. And that's why people go at LeBron because they feel like he's not a killer. But when LeBron started doing this, when LeBron showed that, they started liking LeBron. When LeBron did this and hit his chest, that was, I'm going to kill your ass, LeBron. And that's when people say, oh, I like that, LeBron. They like Westbrook, kill. They like KD. His hair will kill you and his game will kill you. Why didn't I like LeBron? Because he's smiling. He's talking to everybody out of the game like this. He's tapping them on the ass. That's why. That's the issue. It's because of Mike. Because of Mike. Mike wanted to kill you in practice. Did y'all see... Mike running suicides. Look, I know we getting carried away and it's like, oh man, guys, this is Michael Jordan. I love you, fast, but Mike running them damn suicides, boy, like, come get me. Beat me in beat me in these. Gotta appreciate the dude, man. So hopefully y'all enjoying the series, man. Two more episodes left. Um Oh, y'all notice the next year they swept Orlando, right? Y'all notice that, right? They swept the same. So, for all the folks talking about, remember when Shaq put that joint out that, you know, he would have killed Bill Winnington and all them. I'm like, yo, Shaq, man, that they swept your ass the next year. Beat you by an average of 16 points a game. Think about that. His whole summer, he thought about, you ain't 23, you 45. And look what he did to Orlando. Look what the Bulls did. I don't want to say Mike. 
Look what the Bulls did the next year. They beat the hell out of Dean. They went and got Rodman, the missing link for you, Horace Grant. And they bust that ice. Bust that ice. They beat the brakes off Orlando. Swept them. Average of 16 points a game. Go go check the series, the four, four games total. Average of points differential. So they just didn't come back and beat Orlando. They smashed them. And Shaq, go to L.A. now. Because this ain't going to work no more. It's, the sheriff is back. Like Mike never had a chance to, to get revenge on the Celtics team that was beating the brakes off of him, that was sweeping him. You know what I'm saying? Because people always talk about, like, when Mike essentially came came into his prime, when he started winning championships, he lost one playoff series, and that's when he came back and played those limited games. And Shaq, could, you know, Shaq can say he did that. Shaq pinning. That's why that Orlando team is special. They can say that. Because it was still a mystique, like, oh, Mike is back. And since Mike been in, on this tear since 1991, they ain't took a backseat to nobody with him on the court. Because remember, he told Bill Winnington, I'm back. Hold on tight to my cape. Yeah, like Beam said, the fact that Michael Jordan is the best player in the NBA and he is hunting you. Think about that. Think about that. Now, this is the one thing I respect about LeBron this season. When they played Giannis in them late in the year, he went and hunted Giannis' ass out. Pause. And when they played Kawhi in them, he went and hunted Kawhi. That's 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 the LeBron we want. From now on, you show that LeBron. That's what folks got to realize, man. The Michael Jordan versus LeBron debate ain't nothing but mentality. It's just folks with the they want him to have black Jesus' mentality. That's it. LeBron had been 6'9", 250. If you had that I'm going to kill you mentality, nobody's holding you, son. Like, it's easy money. Easy. Easy. That's why everybody loved Kobe, man. God rest his soul. Because like, Kobe mimicked black Jesus. Even AI mimicked black Jesus. His mentality. AI, would AI saw Mike and said, barbecue chicken, come get this crossover. Black at what? Grant Hill too. When Grant Hill came to lead, come get this work, Scotty. Come get this quick crossover dunk, Scotty. You're a good defensive player. I can't tell. That's why people revere Grant Hill because he had that same "I ain't your regular light skin" type of dude with a flat top. Come here, Alonzo Morning. I'll dunk on you. People, we just love my me personally. Mindset. That's why Mike my goat. Mindset. Wilt Chamberlain the goat to me too because of his mindset. And if you ain't catch the ball, I ain't going to tell you. So again, Wilt Chamberlain is really the goat because of his mindset and what he did on the floor. Catch the ball. I ain't going to put it in subtitles. Let that marinate. Wilt Will, Will Chamberlain really the goat. Just want to let y'all know. Mm -hmm. I got 10,000 reasons and the numbers prove it. Exactly. Bubba said he'll do Michael Jordan just like this. 
Yeah, you know, yeah. You're right. You're right, Snakes. He don't have that 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 sudden quickness like the the smaller guys. You know what I'm saying? Um, but MJ a freaking freight train. I tell you that boy. That boy is special. Um. But yeah, man, that's what it is. That's what it is. I hope y'all enjoying the series, man. But. I hate the fact that the series is getting lost in the comparison. Like, ease up on the comparison, man. Like, can can we can we not? Can, we got to stop that, man. Especially when the dude we comparing Mike to is enjoying the series, bigging Mike up. Like, he ain't even comparing himself to Mike. But we steady. This is why. Mm-mm. Come on, man. I'm enjoying the documentary about the squad, man, and, and the little stories. But but the false narratives about he was suspended for that year, that's dumb as hell. People believe anything they want to believe. They really do. And you, get, you just got to let them do it. You still got to let them do it. Still got to let them do it. That dude's mindset was different. His leadership skills were different. He was a tyrant. He was. He was an asshole. Anything you want to call it. But you want results. Shouldn't Phil Jackson get a lot of props? I think Phil always gets a lot of props. That's never in question. I've never seen anybody not give Phil a bunch of props. That's that like that's self-explanatory. I don't think that's why folks talk about Phil because everybody understands what his trying offense did for Jordan and the Bulls. My man TC, what's good with you? I. The young guys are missing the mindset mentality. All they care about is scoring and what about winning. And here's another thing that you got to appreciate about the documentary, right? And even Mike. That Mike is candid enough to know that his way wasn't the best way. Like he know he's an asshole. He's going to try to get you to fight. But you got to think. From his standpoint is if you can sustain me and my mind and my belittling, then you're going to be prepared for anything. Those 20, 30,000 folks screaming and all the millions watching ain't going to bother you because I kill people mentally. I do. The, be- the other people they call all NBA guys, they cower to me. So if you can stand up to me every single day, they get it for just a couple minutes a night. If you could get it, if you could take it from me every single day, you're going to elevate. Period. Without like I'm preparing you for life without me. So here's here's the thing that a lot of folks and my dog being, we talk about this. Here's the one thing that can you lead today with that method? Absolutely. Absolutely. You can lead today with that method. Absolutely. Absolutely. You got a lot of guys behind closed doors that lead with the Michael Jordan mentality. Trust me. I done been around them. Um, so here's the mindset. Here's the thing. The fact that Mike went at all the supplemental players, right? All the role guys to make sure that your ass ready to step up and play. Your mind will be right. No moment is too big because I'm the moment. So if you prepare for MJ, that ain't nothing. The fact that he was an asshole, they didn't fear nothing. 
So to me, that's why they were so successful the following year. Phil Jackson was there. The triangle sister was in place. And the fact that he beat up on all the little guys, that when he left, those little guys elevated. They kept playing the same. It, it lasted them for that year. And then when they lost Horace, that next person in line that was uh, replacing Horace didn't have the mindset. So that left. So that's why I always think that when people talk about leadership and, and you know, and I don't want to do the comparison, but I'm going to do it. They talk about how when LeBron leaves, his team's just trash. And that's why he's so great. And I always tell folks it's because he makes himself everything. He's not elevating nobody else to stand alone. He's elevating them to stand with him, right? But are you elevating folks to stand alone? I feel like Mike elevated people to stand alone. When people left from being around Mike, they, they went to other places and still did some successful things. Like, we think about Horace Grant. He left, went to Orlando, still was successful. L.A., he was on the coattails, won the championship. But then you look at B.J. Armstrong with the Hornets. You look at several. Pippen went, you know, when he left. And then when he went to, even though he was old, went to the Blazers. I felt like Mike was like a, was like a true mind trainer. He cut you down and built you back up. He stayed on you. He wanted to see your breaking point. Once you got to your breaking point, he acknowledged that. He did it to Steve Kerr when he punched him in the face. Didn't have his number. That's crazy he have his teammate number. Called him, let him know that, look, I punched you in the face and went about you, but the fact that he saw that Steve Kerr wasn't going to back down and he was going to fight, the fact that he fouled his ass hard and Mike, Mike punched him because he fouled him hard. Like, but at the same time, within that fight, you see the respect. It's going to be some fights amongst teammates. To me, I always felt like when, a, when teammates got into a fight, that was the best thing for teams. Because I got to see you going to be in a foxhole with me. It's been plenty of times I, I could be in practice and somebody want to square off and I'm like, boom. I know they're going to fight. So in the game, I'm going to say that key trigger word to get them, like the water boy, to take it out on them. And I felt like that's what Mike used to do. He used to do it with Bill Cartwright too. He used to mimic him. And he told, in the Jordan Rules book, he told Scottie Pippen, Horace Grant, don't pass him the ball under four damn minutes or I ain't going to pass you the ball. Word got back to Bill Cartwright. Bill Cartwright went to Michael Jordan and said, yo, if that's true, you ain't going to never play basketball again. Don't ever phase me out of a game. Mike looked at Bill and said, all right, now I know he ready. From that point on, Bill knew. If they pass me the rock, I got to do what's best and I got to go get buckets or I got to get somebody else. It was all about just identifying that you got to step your S-H-I-T up because I'm going to step up, period. When they say, hey, pass it to Steve, Mike looked at Steve and said, you better hit it. And Steve was like, oh, I'm going to hit it. And went out and hit that jank. So, yes, his methods were, weren't friend, friend, uh, fan friendly, right? But you saw that dude get emotional. You see how much that dude loved to win, loved to be successful. Like, he was all about team. He loved for his teams to be successful. Winning. This dude won in college as a freshman. Like, for folks who just think, he, look, Mike was about winning. All right? Winning. So do I think not making it to the finals, the years that he got ousted in the first round and in the, the second round? Yeah, it bothered Mike. 
But if Mike would have lost in finals, Mike probably would have got damn all off himself. If Mike would have got to the finals and lost some, he would look, he wouldn't have went to sleep all summer. He that damn crazy. You lose to the Lando Magic and they say you ain't 23, you 45. And he had Space Dance build a state-of-the-art training facility. That won't dare. For all you folks who love to call people soft out here, he the reason why you call people soft. That dude is a psychotic, psychotic competitor. Freaking psycho. I'll make up something just to punish you. Oh, you chew you you chew your your gun with your mouth open. Why you playing against me? You chew with your mouth closed versus everybody. Oh, you think you can breathe versus me, huh? I'm gonna kill you. And Mike go out there and kill you. Jordan Rules, man. Go get this book, man. I'm telling y'all. Go get this book. After the documentary over, you're gonna want to read this book. The man said you not 23 no more. What Mike do? Change his number back to 23. If you don't think he listening and hear you. What? What? Hey, man, let us sleep. In, let, uh, hey, man, don't wake up a sleeping dog. And we ain't saying be scared of somebody, but pick your battles, man. Know your opponent. Leave him alone. BJ out here, yeah, yeah. I told Mike, yeah, I told him, yeah. And after that, Mike bless. Quarter toss for bills. Yo, man, we talking about a dude who just want to, you could be playing a dollar poker and he just coming up there just so he can say, I took your money. And you wonder why? And and we really and we really clown Kobe Bryant because he mimicked Mike. We really doing that. We really knocking Kobe down tears because he mimicked Mike's game. For all my religious folks, don't you try to mimic you know who? So you know what I'm saying? Like, what we doing, man? What we doing? Huh? Really? If you if you like Barry Sanders, then you can't like Saquon Barkley because he, he wanted to be like Barry Sanders. By, by that logic, he can never be considered one of the best. If we only take originals, we really just leapfrog Kobe because he wanted to be like Mike. We already got one Mike. The dude's skills is just as good as Mike's. Yeah. He may not have been as fast as Mike. He ain't got mitts like Mike. But when it comes to doing Mike moves and shooting like Mike in mid-range. Kobe Bean Bryant, man. Mike main downfalls is them custom jeans. Oh, my God. Yeah, Mike and them, cut, and them boot-cut jeans. Boy, I tell you, the stonewash janks, too. Mike something else for that. And I love that Michael Jordan kid uh, son Marcus don't be having it either. His son don't be having it. And people up there putting up Michael Jordan, his two sons, versus LeVar Ball, his two sons. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. 
Mike just gonna tell his sons, make sure you file because I'm gonna kill their daddy. <laughs> hey, we ain't playing pickup. Just file him. BS Kobe can't wash Mike's butt. I don't, hey, Daryl, I don't know what you heard me say, but the fact that you took what I said and made it seem like I was saying that Kobe was better than Mike's lets me know that you, you really didn't comprehend my whole point of giving Kobe praise. So a lot of times take your emotion out of things and understand the point of view in which somebody's making. All right. I said he could shoot just as good. I didn't say he could shoot better. In other words, Kobe is the number two shooting guard of all time. He could do every move Jordan can. But I just said he's not as fast as Mike and he don't have the mitts like Mike. So please spare me the emotional responses like I implied that Kobe was better than Michael. Okay? Sometimes folks hear what they want and the emotional switch goes off. I'm not saying nobody better than Mike. Clearly, I said good ass. Not better. And I was just talking about shooting. Shooting. Like shooting. We can all agree that Kobe can shoot just as good as Mike from the middle. Like they can shoot. And then say overall. Nah, sorry, Daryl. You can't play my game, brother. Because you clearly put BS at the end. So the fact that it ain't about me taking your comment a certain way, you put bullshit at the end. So when somebody say bullshit, you're negating everything the person said before you. So you, you can't try to change because we, we can, look, we can scroll back and, and see what you said, sir. BS, Kobe can't wash Mike's butt. And then you says, I didn't. I was giving my thought. If you took my comment that way, what does I say about you? I never said nothing about nobody watching nobody, but so how I supposed to take it? If I, you know, if I tell you, you can't watch my butt when it comes to a sport, how you going to respond to it? You going to respond cordially like, ha ha. No, you gonna be like, huh? What are you talking about? So that was my response. Huh? What are you talking about? That's it. Come on, man. Come on. Come on, dog. That was your response. He can't wash Kobe's. Kobe can't wash MJ's butt. BS. <laughs> but I interpret the comment wrong. I don't know. You know. Maybe. Oh, my, my fault. It could have been sarcasm. No, no, it couldn't have been sarcasm because you're serious. So my fault. Why am I so sensitive about your thought? I, I'm I'm not. I just saw your comment and actually made you a topic and 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 responded to it. You know what I'm saying? I apologize. I just won't. I won't respond to you no more. That's fine. I'm not being sensitive. I just responded to your comment like, hey, I don't want you thinking that I said Kobe was better. Far from sensitive. No tears. No frustration showing in my face. But if you feel like I'm being sensitive, that's fine, sir. Kudos to you. You know what I'm saying? Hey, man, what I think about your sensitive comment? Shh, sensitive? I can't watch my butt with sensitive. <laughs> man, that comment.
probably could wash my, can't wash my butt. How about that? <laughs> he don't like. Hey, Zion Williamson apparently got paid to play. I'm supposed to get mad? Hell no. Why am I mad? Why am I surprised? Who cares? Zion, you going to do? They're going to put you in the front of every tissue. They ain't going to say nothing about Duke. They're going to say Zion Williamson and Duke. Well, if I'm Zion Williamson and Duke, can I get a check? I'm the lead singer. Every time you advertise Duke basketball, it says Zion Williamson and Duke. Ho, 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 ho. Let me see. Daryl says, good. No need for you to respond because you can't without you getting your panties in a in Panties in a word. Okay. Thank you, Daryl. I wear uh, boxes, so I appreciate you. But yeah, y'all know me. I'm always pro player. I'm always pro player. Get your money. Get your money. Get your money. Get your money. Make, 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 hey, they making money off your likeness? You make money off your likeness. That's what it is. So when it comes into that stuff, I ain't, I ain't got nothing else for it. Let me see. Hold on. Up. Oh, never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Yeah, man. But that's it, man. I want to make this episode too long. Um, appreciate everybody for tuning in. Continue to look at the Jordan rules. I mean, the Last Dance. Read the Jordan rules. Um, if your son the number one player in the nation, should you get paid? Anybody should get paid off their likeness. That's always been my stance. You should be able to get paid off your name. It's your name. You should get paid off your likeness. It's your looks. It's your face. Nobody should own the rights to you, especially if they're advertising your name before the university, especially since people are coming to the game because of you and the, like, it's more like, don't get me wrong. They support the university, but your name helps elevate the tickets. Like it, it works hand in hand. So that's all I, that's all I'm always saying that topic. I'm always pro player. I'm always pro person making money off of them. Nobody should own you. They shouldn't. Just because you have a grand aid. It, it shouldn't work like that. They're selling jerseys with your number on them, your name on it, but the jerseys, your likeness. Um, and we, we saw it, man. We, we, we saw it, man. I'm going to share what you said, Rob, when I get off here. Like I said, man, I've been off of Facebook for a couple of days, man, but I'm, I'm back at it. Um, had to deal with some things and, and, and we get through it. Um, nothing, nothing, you know, we can't get through, but, uh, yeah, this, this, it's a trying time right now in this pandemic, man, you know, but yeah, but y'all be easy, yo, about to get out of here. Um, if you add value to a business, you should get paid. Exactly. Rico. That's what it is about, man. Like, Players are partners to that university. You're a partner. It's a partnership. It is. It just shouldn't stop with just a, a grant and aid. It, it, it just should not. Because if you're making money off of me, I should get something from that. I, I should I, I should be able to, on my own, put like that, make money off of me. I should not have to clear it with you. I shouldn't have to meet your guidelines. You should not be able to shut things down because I ain't receiving revenue off of me just because I go to this school. That should, that should have never been a place. Never. Never. 
And ain't no such thing as amateurism if other people reaping benefits. No. And if people think it's opened up Pandora's box that people get money, like the the box been open. But at the end of the day, the athlete's going to make the decision that's best for them, period. It's just best for them, period. They are. If you want to prepare somebody to uh, manage money, then let them start managing money at an earlier age. Not just once they, because college ain't going to prepare you for managing money. You only know how to manage money once you get money. I tell people that. You can't prepare yourself to manage money until you get money and got to manage it. And then you get the people in place around you that's legit. That can really make sure you're managing it well. All right? So for all the folks thinking that the money should be put in the escrow account, and no, give them now. Because they come from low-income families. They need that now. That's why these kids want to go straight to the pros. They need the money now. Education window never closes. Athletic window closes fast. Education doesn't leave. I can go back and get, I'm never too old to get my education. Never. Never. If you have an athletic window in which you can help your family and they can benefit, go do it now. I'm not saying don't get an education. You get education while you playing pro. You got downtown summer leagues, all that. But folks, we live in a society where we make, we, we, we tell kids you got to go to college. And when you go to Europe, they tell you you got to go to this academy and master this trade called your sport. But in the U.S., we always say education, education. And it's nothing wrong with education. And education just don't take place within a school setting. All right. And if you're going to tell kids to go get education, make sure they're educating themselves in business as well. And how to work for themselves. Just don't educate them on how to be a working bee and make money for somebody else. We got to start telling the entire truth. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Everybody don't have a plan B. You got athletic scholarship students that don't got a plan B. Everybody don't got a plan B. So we just got to stop saying athletes don't just think you got to have a fallback plan. Because even when you get your degree, they don't guarantee you to get hired. You got European kids, like Bean said, starting to play pro at 16 years old. We're frowning upon a young kid trying to go to the G League at 16 over here because we say he need to go to college and mature and get better. So that's what I'm going to leave y'all with, man. You know the motto, good is the enemy of great, be great in everything that you do, man. Fear, man. Face everything and rise. Face everything and rise. That's what fear means. Go to shujuice.com. Get your fear hoodies. I'm going to release the shirts. I got sleeveless hoodies coming with fear up there. Salute everybody. Shout out to my sponsor, Abram Insurance. Shout out to my guys, uh, Robert T. Green and what they do. Um, and uh, my man, Beam, of course. Everybody that tuned in to the live, we're going to keep applying pressure, man. But we're going to strategically apply this pressure. You know what I'm saying? We ain't going to give you that same cookie-cutter topics everybody else do. We're going to really break bread, yo. All right, man. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.